Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, flowing from the fourth chapter, which speaks of the Abraham covenant of justification, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. First time the word rejoice is mentioned, but it will not be the last. And not only that, but we also glory, what? Not in success, but in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Watch this. And perseverance, character. And character, also hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And the church said, Amen. I want to preach the second part this morning, a series entitled Rejoice. Look to your neighbor and say rejoice. Would you do that for me, please? Stretch your hand this way. I want God to touch me and also touch you. Would you pray for me this morning, please? Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. In my experience of pastoral ministry, one of the greatest success or celebration that I get to share with the members or people that I love is that in the middle of hardships, to understand that they are not alone. But to watch people that go through trial or peril and watch them with such grace, such anointing, such grace of God that will cover them, that no matter what the storm may be, they go through it with the grace of God and they come out on the other side and they testify not of their goodness, but they testify like this, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, I would not have made it through that. It's beautiful how God in the midst of death and sickness Wow. Just like my friend Jamie Barr recently, his brother is preaching also his first sermon as the interim pastor at his dad's church, the pastor who just passed away. And I watched this family go through this cancer, this year-long battle with cancer. I watched them bury their pastor, their father, and also come out on the other side. Now the son has taken the mantle. His mother is still in church. They sing about the goodness of the Lord. And if you did not understand their story, you couldn't recognize that they just went through a hard but somehow, some way, the grace of God has carried them and they stand on the other side and they testify that God is still good today as he was two years ago. My friend R.P. Grice, who buried his daughter, and I watched him go to a casket and stand by the casket of his, uh, his, his daughter and say words like this, God, you've been so good to me. I don't understand your goodness and your mercy. Looking at his daughter who just died, I watched a man of God who preached many funerals go to that casket and declare, God, your grace is still sufficient. Your mercy is everlasting. And God, I want to give you praise for being so good to me in a 
moment like this. See what you've got to understand this morning. The grace that I preach and the faith that I preach and the gospel that I preach, it's not to get your money. It's not to tickle your ears. It's not to make you feel good. It's what I believe. I committed my whole self to because I know God is good and I know his mercy endures forever and I know he's been good to me, but I want you to hear me this morning. God's been good to me through my darkest trials. In my darkest nights, in my darkest season, I want to let somebody know I serve a God that has never, ever left me. God who has never failed me. My God has been great to me even in the biggest battles of my life. Can you believe that when you give God praise? Yeah, yeah, but on the other hand, I've got to be honest. I've seen people come in the church and quit God over nothing. I've seen people come to church and get mad and get jealous and get bitter. Somebody didn't speak to them. Somebody didn't shake their head. Somebody sat in their seat. Somebody took their parking spot. Or let's go a little bit deeper with them. Their wife left them. The cancer came to their body. Now, that's not trivial there. But even in those times, I've seen people ask things like this. Does God not love me? Has God forgot about me? Where is this God that you speak of, Neil? Why did he allow this to happen to me? Why does bad things happen to good people why do good Christian people suffer and if you're not careful sometimes in moments like this you will begin to doubt the love of God but as a pastor this morning can I let you know something God's love is not uh, predicated on the fact of your circumstance your situation or the temperature of your situation does not change the love of God for you in fact in verse 6 of the same chapter the Bible tells us that while you were yet sinners God died for you and loved you while you were estranged from God your situation does not change the fact that God loves you in fact, I'm going to push some people this morning. I'm saying to you that when you're going through a trial, that is not the absence of the love of God. In fact, that's where God's love steps in into your life. It's quiet. I've seen immature young Christians turn their back on God because of a trial. I've seen immature, long-time churchgoers turn their back on God because of a trial. I've seen ministers become bitter at God and doubt the love of God because something didn't go their way or things didn't line up by the situation because it was so overwhelming. But I want to let somebody know this morning that God loves you. It's not performance-based. It's not what you've done. It's nothing that you can do. There is nothing that you can do that can change the way that God loves you. No storm, no trial. It is not about how much money you give. It's already been settled at Calvary's cross. Our God is madly in love with you. Amen. So let's jump in this chapter this morning. Let's work this out then. I told you last week that there are three levels of rejoicing in this chapter. The first level of rejoicing is the fact that you're saved. You've been justified. It flows from Romans 4, knowing who he's writing to and the brute beast of the people. He writes to a people and says, you can't buy this. You can't steal this. You can't beat this into somebody and you can't take it from somebody. This justification by grace is simply done by faith. And when you believe that God loves you and died for you and you accept that, then therefore you are justified. And since you are justified, he says, I want you to rejoice. Rejoice because your sins have been forgiven. Rejoice because 
Heaven is your home. Rejoice because you have access to walk in the presence of Almighty God and stand before him boldly and plead for mercy. So the first level of the Christian faith in Romans 5 is that level of justification. We should just give God praise because he saved us. Amen. Amen. I know you look pretty now, but you've not always looked this way, right? You've got your church clothes on, but you've not always had church clothes on. And that's the good news this morning for somebody who has drugs in their body. God loves you, we love you, and God can change your life right here in this house this morning. Come on, give God praise. But that's just the first level. And the sad part of the church, we never get past that level. And because we don't get past that level, we do not grow in the place that God can use us in spite of things. Our basis of love and worship and rejoicing is based on pleasures of this world. What's God done for me? How good God's been to me? My child just received a, a, a full ride to Clemson. My, my wife just went back to work and paid off my truck, I wish. But anyway, you understand what I'm saying? So we base the level of worship on the temperature of the climate of our situation. But let me tell you something this morning. There's going to come a time in your life there's going to come a storm in your life and a situation that things are going to turn upside down. The Bible said that those that live godly shall suffer persecution. There's going to be some persecution times in your life and if you're not careful you'll get mad at God and get mad at the church because you don't understand why you've got to go through that that you've got to go through. That's why God sent me this morning to remind you that where God's taking North Walhalla, we can't just be shallow Christians who rejoice because we got a new job. I, I, you're not shouting yet, but we'll shout later. I need some people that can stand up with cancer in their body and say things like this. Yet he slayed me, I still will serve him. I understand that. I understand that there's struggles and trials and I'm not going to get bitter at God. I'm not going to get mad at God. In fact, I'm about to get my praise on. You understand? This is nothing but a chance for me to look the devil in the eye and say something like this. You thought this would make me quit and you thought that I would turn my back on my God and my church but devil you haven't seen nothing yet it might not be easy and some days I might have to get up and just drag myself to church but you hear me devil I'm going to drag myself to church and when I get there I'm going to sing about the goodness of my Savior why because cancer can't take it from me my job can't take it from me the climate of the political circumstances of this country cannot take it from me my God loves me and my God is fine for me. I, don't, I really don't know how they gave me the clock before 1120, but somebody messed up. Amen? Look to your neighbor and say, he's about to preach. Would you do that for me? You better believe I am. We stay at the introductory level of growth of worship, and we give God praise because we feel, we know that we are different. I don't should say we feel, but I want to push you past that. Let's go past that. Let's pick up in verse three. Let's just, let's just not praise God today because our sins have been forgiven, which is well justified. But let's go deeper. Let's go to a place that most people never go with. The Bible says in verse three, not only should we rejoice about justification, but we should rejoice about our present experience. He takes us from saying, you have been justified, saved, so heaven's your home, give God praise. That's wonderful. 
He had me up there walking with angels, Danny, thinking about the goodness of the Lord. And then in one verse, he takes me from the heavenly beings and places me in the worst situation of my life. For one moment, he takes me, Brother Tim, from being in heaven to now being in a storm. Why? Because he wants the Romans to know, rejoice about your salvation or justification, but also rejoice that God is still God in your trial. That if you're really going to be who God's called you to be, that the brightness of your future, the love of God is there. But the darkness of your present circumstance, the love of God is still there. The reason he writes this, there are antagonists there who are watching those Christians saying, if God really loves you, then why are you going through this? If God really loves you, then why are, is your child acting this way? If God really loves you, why is your brother or sister doing this? And they're judging the church because of what they see. But you hear me. Let Oconee County know Yes, we go through trials. And yes, sometimes our children act crazy because their children, just like your children, are children. And yes, sometimes our members fall by the wayside and we don't condemn them to hell. We open the doors of the church and beg them to come back home. And while some people pick at us for that, and they say things like this, look at that, that Pentecostal church and they got that one member that does this or that. You're wrong. We have more than one member that does this or that. But the good news about those members that are doing this and that, that this and that can still be covered by the blood. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So don't judge us by what you see because really you don't know that there are good Christians in this church that have cancer in their bodies right now and they're sitting here this morning and they came to church with a smile on their face and they're ready to get in the presence of Almighty God. See, devil, what you cannot see is that our faith is not based on feeling and it's not based on circumstance and it's not based on the climate of a denomination. Our faith is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That's where our faith is built at. So he writes to them, he tells them, he says, I want you to understand it's not enough to rejoice because you've been justified. But when you're going through tribulations, I want you also to rejoice. The word tribulation means something that causes us great distress. It means something that could be a major disaster, but it also could be just daily trials. And the writer here, Paul, says to us, I want you to rejoice. I don't feel like it. I want you to rejoice. I don't want to do it. I want you to rejoice. I don't even want to see Pastor Neil's ugly face this morning. Paul says, I want you to rejoice. Amen. Amen. I was just seeing who said that. I was about to call you out. That's okay. Why? Because he says, when you suffer... I don't want you to quit on me. I want you to stand up and give me your best praise. Now this won't be for everybody because everybody can't take it. But I'm gonna show you two things this morning. I'm gonna show you what rejoicing is not and I'm gonna show you what rejoicing produces. First of all, this type of rejoicing is not fake Christianity. The last thing I want you to do is be another church person who puts on a religious mask. I don't want your cute sayings. Don't think you've got to go on Facebook and find somebody and steal something. That's not what he's asking. I'd rather you look me in the eye and say, Pastor, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I am struggling with life. My mom, my dad, my church, my this. I don't like my child was raised in church and my child is the one that's out there in the world. This is not fake rejoicing. This is not fake Christianity. 
God deliver us from this nauseous mentality that for one hour a week, we show up and pretend what is not real. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm so tired of that. Where our preachers, we get together and we have to pretend what's going on and we make up things to fit in and members make up things and we say that same thing that we've been saying because we've not been reading our Bible. So we got that one little catchphrase and, and even though we know all hell is breaking loose in our life, we just got this pretend. But here's the thing about pretending. Sooner or later, you're gonna be in the wrong situation with the wrong people and what's in your heart is gonna come out. And when you want to praise, you can't praise because you've been praising on Sunday and cussing on Wednesday and sooner or later, you're going to get Sunday and Wednesday mixed up. Huh? I feel, I'm fixing Orlando, so you can't chase me today, amen? <laughs> and what happens is God is trying to tell us this is not fake. I don't want fake Christianity. God's not asking you to make up some little saying because you got cancer in your body and say, oh, I'm glad for cancer. Thank God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying to you that I don't want you to be fake because that fakeness is not rejoicing. That's a fraud. He's not even asking you to grin and bear it, so to speak, or, or just act like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to suffer through it. That's not what he's asking you. He doesn't want you to fake it. He doesn't want you to have that thing where I'm just going to sit right here and die. No, he, that's fake Christianity. And if we need anything different in 2018, we need some people that can be and say yes it's my child and yes it is my body and yes it is my job and yes it is my storm I don't like it I don't understand it but I know this I've come too far and God has brought me to through too many storms for me to stop God now and even though it don't feel right and even though I don't want to do it some Sundays I've made up my mind for me and my house we are going to serve the Lord and we're going to praise God Hebrews 12 and 11 said, now with chastisement, seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, after it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. The right of Hebrews encouraged them not to give up, says there's gonna come some punishment. I really don't like that word in the translation, but there's gonna come some discipline. I like that word. There's gonna come some times in your that some things are going to be allowed and it's going to take you through some discipline. As you discipline your child, you do not do that to cause him harm for the future, but you discipline the present that it might change his future. Now get, buckle up. Could it be that what you're going through right now is nothing but God putting you back on the potter's wheel and saying, even though it may hurt for the moment, you don't know what I'm about to do in your life, but I can't get you there until I get you through here, and I can't get you through here until I get this out of you. See, God can't take you if you've got gossip and prayer life mixed up. I feel good, praise God. He can't take you there. He can't get you there because you're a prideful person like I was before I was saved. I thought I looked like Isaac Williamson. I really looked like Boss Hogg, but I still was prideful, if you understand what I'm saying. Nobody up under 30 knows what I'm talking about. That, that's okay, that's all right. 
God had to take pride out of my life. Because if I'm ever gonna do what God has called me to do, I realize at 40 now, I cannot do it in the natural, but only in the supernatural. But you know what got me that out of me? It wasn't Lee, I graduated from Lee, but Lee didn't get that out of me. In fact, sometimes, if I'm not careful, I can be prideful over education. But you know what that got, got that out of me? It was some lonely seasons. It was some dark seasons of my life. It was some seasons when nobody wanted to be in my life. I was there just by myself asking God, why is this going on in my life when I've been faithful? But you hear me this morning, it's those night seasons. It's those trials. It's those times that I didn't understand that's made me who I am today. And that on that part alone, I can't pat myself on the back. I declare it's been him. It's been all him. And if I do anything of value, it's still be healed at his glory. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that. Somebody say, knowing that. That's, that's the whole part of this chapter. If you can't get that, since I know that, and if I know that, then I can recognize what's going on in my life. So real quickly, as I give you the second point, I'll close. I want you to stop playing the blame game. If I'd have had a better mom or dad, if I'd have had a better associate pastor, hello, if I'd have had a better wife, if I'd have had a better job, if I could go back to when I was 20, can I give you a word of wisdom? You can't go back to when you were 30. Hello? If I'd have chosen to go to Clemson over South Carolina and all this nonsense that we try to do all the time, you can't do that. The writer of Romans says, since I know this, because I know that, that information is powerful, it becomes productive, that, that knowing produces something in us. What does it produce? I'm glad you asked. First of all, it's not fake Christianity, but it does produce something real. And the first thing that your trial produces in your life, very pastoral this morning, is perseverance. Look to your neighbor and say perseverance. Mm -hmm. Perseverance means to abide under or to stay under the pressure. The pressure is something we don't like. When pressure comes, what do we do? We want to run. Listen, you can't win the race though. If it's a 400 lap race and you stop on lap 390, can't go to victory lane. Hello? Some of you are trying to step out of the pressure because you don't like how it feels. And I want to be honest with you. God has never asked us how we care about how we feel. Hello? I felt like getting into a size 42 suit today. That would be bad for you this morning. It's not how you feel. We're so caught up on this that when pressure comes, we run. Oh, I don't like that preacher. I don't like God. I'm going back to my drinking buddies. I'm going back to this. I, I'm going back to that drug. I'm going back to that alcohol. Don't you understand? It's not God mad at you. In fact, it's the opposite. God loves you enough to allow this to come into your life because he's trying to teach you something about perseverance. Why? Listen to me. I can go through what? I have to go through if it would teach me how to teach my children how to go through it and not give up on God. Yeah. 
Without having children, I did not understand some of my storms. But now my wife and I, we not only tell them about our storms. Ruthie, we don't hide them. We tell them our faults. We tell them our struggles. Why? Because I don't want them to go through what I had to go through. But some of you will never teach your children. Because every time it gets hot, you run. But God is saying to you in Romans 5, I'm trying to teach you to stay up under. Why? Because when the temperature gets hot in the kitchen, what do you do? You panic. Your first move is to Facebook and not a prayer closet. And you're mad at everybody because they think that you're a little off sometimes. It's not their fault. You can't lose yourself every day because something doesn't go your way. I bought Ralph. Ralph's been real good to me. I bought him something the other day. It was the best thing he's ever had in his life. You know what it was? I don't know if y'all have these in Oconee County, but there's something called a honey bun. <laughs> Look at there. It don't take much to please us, does it? Amen? But I'm not talking about just any honey bun. I'm talking about the type with a white glaze on it. <laughs> I said, Ralph, I got you something. Come out of the house. <laughs> but here's the bad news. When Ralph came by the house, it was gone. I'm not saying who ate it, but he's got a bow tie and he's sitting right back over there this morning. I'm just saying. Now, Ralph could have got mad and quit church over that because he drove and wasted his own gas to come to my house to get two honey, it was two actually, two honey buns that cost $2 and he could have got upset. But see, what you don't understand this morning, that's how we are sometimes. We will lose our faith in the sense of our mind and post something or tell somebody or do something because somebody hurt our feelings. We never understand the God of the fourth stage of cancer in the fourth watch of the night or burying a father and we look at those people like they're giants and they are in one sense but in the other sense they're not. They're just good Christian people who have made up their mind. I'm not going to panic up under pressure. I made up my mind a long time ago to follow Jesus Christ and he's been been so good to me. I see no sense in turning my back on him right now. He's been the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he'll be the same tomorrow. He's my God. And he's been faithful. Don't panic and don't bail out. Don't quit and don't run. Don't lose your mind. Yes, some preachers are going to fall by the wayside. Yes, some churches are going to quit preaching sound doctrine. Yes, I'm going to disappoint you sometimes, but you hear me be like Paul and Silas. Don't panic up under pressure. Paul, what are we going to do? Our backs are beaten open. We're in a jail cell. We've been stripped of our dignity and our clothes. I don't know anything else to do, Silas, but this. Let's give God praise. God's been good to us. I don't know how we're going to get out, but I know we're going to come out, Silas. So let's just sing. I don't care what you sing, but let's just sing a song of praise. I come to let somebody know this morning, he's the same God. The same God that saved you is the same God with you in the middle of your storm. He's the same God this morning. Two. Your storm that God has allowed I didn't say a sin produced storm. I didn't say a sin produced storm. I said, but your storm that God has allowed, it produces perseverance, but also it produces what? It produces character. Look to your neighbor and say character. That means that you become reliable. You have been placed 
on the stand. You have been put on trial in your storm. And when you come through your storm and you didn't quit, you testify the goodness of the Lord. Don't you understand that you become a character witness to the character of Almighty God? In your storm that you're so upset about, have you ever wondered that God is doing nothing but making you a witness not only to your own integrity, but to the integrity of Almighty God? It's deep. That God is saying to you, Chris, I'm going to allow you to go through this, not because I hate you or mad at you, but I'm going to show my love through you in the storm. And son, even though you're young in age, when you come out on the other side, Chris, you're a prime example. Let me give you another example. I think Justin Willis, I think you're just like Chris on this. I don't want to embarrass you. You've been out of church three months, but that's okay. It's all right. <laughs> Listen to me. You don't act your age. You have confidence like Chris. You have confidence with older men in this church. It didn't come because you have a nice haircut. It came because they watched you go through storms. See, saints of God, what you don't understand, when you go through that trial like I have, and I found God to be faithful, it lets other preachers like I was on the phone with last Saturday night who was going through a trial, and he looked at me, he called me and said, Brother Nolan, if can take you through that and you didn't lose your mind, you didn't lose your license and God's blessed you, I believe God can do the same for me. Yes, he can. But not if, not if we don't rejoice at this level. If we pout, if we panic, if we get upset, I don't want to hear how good you are. Let God show me how good you are. Your storm will tell me who you are. Not your testimony, not your song. How many singers and preachers have gotten pulpits and they've done their little display of grand old opera type performance but were not living what they said they had? You can fake it up here but not out there when the storm is on. So when that storm is on and it produces perseverance and then it produces character, you're letting somebody else know if God can do it for me, God can do it for you. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter one about all the things that were against him. He said, God brought me through the shipwreck. God brought me through the stoning. God brought me through the, third, the stripes on my back. And what did he say after that in verse 10? He said, he did it then and he'll do it again. Your character is letting somebody know this morning if God can do it for me, he'll do it for you, and he'll do it again. Amen? Thirdly, listen to me on this. Not only character, but it produces hope. Look to your neighbor and say hope. We understand that not only we are being changed, but God is producing an image in us. We are becoming more Christ-like. Listen to me. Why are you going through this storm now? Listen, five more minutes. Because if God would allow this storm nine years ago, you couldn't take it. You weren't ready for it. You were still a baby Christian. And if you would have had what the doctor came in and said, you've got cancer, you would not have understood the moment. But as the Bible says in the previous chapter where we hope against hope, now you understand this, that if God can give me heaven, he can take care of this. So my hope is not denied. It may be delayed, but it's not denied. 
And it allows me to get up in the morning and say, devil, today is the day he's going to heal me. Well, Brother Nolan, what if you don't get healed today? Then I wake up on Tuesday with the same hope. And I say, devil, today is the day he's going to heal me. Well, Brother Nolan, what happens on Wednesday? I wake up on Wednesday. Brother Nolan, where was your God at when your friend died who you helped in ministry and he helped you? I tell you where he was at. He is completely healed today. Walking in the presence of Almighty God. Oh, that's your easy way out. Oh, no, my friend. That's my future home. That's my place. You built your treasures down here. I'm building mine up there. That's the only difference. And I know my God shall prevail. That's why my friend didn't lose his mind. That's why when Pastor Russell was at his church last week, he came back saying that church is going to be all right. Why? Because God is still in control. He's producing in us perseverance. He's producing in us character. And he's producing in us a hope that we let the world know I'm not giving up on God. He loves me. He's going to work it out. He will prevail in my life. Lastly, and I close this morning, the last thing it will produce is confidence. Look to your neighbor and say confidence. It means boldness. It means I'm not ashamed of my God. I want you to hear me. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm not ashamed of raising my hand. I need a physical healing. Would you raise your hand this morning? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to get up in the morning and I want you to give God praise. And when they think you're foolish and they laugh at you while you did go to the doctor, you remember this right here, I'm not ashamed of my God. It's producing in you a confidence. Why? Because God has poured out his love into your heart by the Holy Spirit. That's the next verse, verse five. See, what you don't understand, this is the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the book of Romans in this way and also the love of God in the Romans in this way. And what God was letting us know this morning, we rejoice because we have been justified. But that next level of rejoicing is in the middle of the storm. I'm not ashamed of my God. It's the fourth watch of the night. It's the Paul and Silas in jail and I realize this I can boldly say he'll never leave me nor will he forsake me he is my God is that where you're at this morning now if you're still at the first level I'm not mad at you I'm asking you to come up higher because if you don't sooner or later you're going to be the one that quits church because life will disappoint you Life will disappoint you. And if you're not careful, you'll get mad at God and you'll say, God, you don't love me. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Verse five says, he's proving his love at this moment. The Holy Ghost is pouring it out in buckets into your heart. It's God showing up in your storm and saying, I told you I'd be here. I'm not leaving you. And I want you to rejoice with me. Would you stand with me please all over the house? Brother Noah, God doesn't love me. The cross settles his love for you. 
Now the Holy Spirit is trying to pour it out in your life. Last Sunday night was one of the best sermons God's ever given me on judging people. If you missed Wednesday night, you missed a move of God. But this morning, this is pastoral. This is the, the level of pastoral preaching that I'm trying to help somebody. I don't know what you're going through. Don't give up on God. Don't be shallow, just praise God because your name is on the church roll. But right in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your trial, can you muster up enough of God in you? Say, God, I'm gonna praise you now. My greatest worship has never been at General Assembly. It's never been at camp meeting. My greatest worship is when we ourselves. My greatest worship was the nights that there were nobody, Brother Ed, around. There's no performance. I didn't have my suit on. My greatest praise has been in my little house on the side of the hill. Hundred-year-old house. It's a little floor. It's a little slanting. Putting a kid in in bed with diapers on by myself and going into a prayer closet. Brother Tim, that's been my greatest worship. You wanna know why? Because I needed him then. And he showed up on my behalf. And he's trying to do that for somebody in this house. Rejoice. Rejoice. Give God your best praise now, not when it's done. Anybody can praise God then. But before God moves in your situation, can you praise him this morning? I'll tell you what's gonna happen. You want God to run to you? Start praising him. You want God to come in your storm? Start giving him worship. The Bible said God inhabits the praises of his people. You want God to come to your situation? Today is the day to magnify the Lord. Amen. Father, I preached your word this morning in my, my flesh. I was hoping that we would be out of a joyous shout. But God, I sense this morning there are people that are struggling. They are good people. This is a good church. Father, there are people though, they're in the middle of the battle. They, they teach Sunday school. They're faithful. They're choir members, God. They're, they're our, our leadership team, but God, they're tired. They've been in the battle so long. They're tired. And Father, I've come as their pastor to petition you as they begin to worship you come into their midst I know you're going to prove your love to them in that moment every head bowed and every eye closed there's a husband and wife in this house your family has been turned upside down recently and you said brother Neil we, we need God would you step out right now I'm not going to embarrass you I just want you to come worship that's all there's a husband and wife in this house your family has been turned upside down. God's calling you to worship. Would you step out by faith? Would you step out by faith? Anyone in this house? Anyone? Be bold. Be bold. Why are you worried? We're just, we're just family. It's just a church family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Any others? Brother Nolan, I, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. Would you step out right now? He loves you. He loves you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else?
Praise God. Three couples this morning have stepped out saying we need the touch of the Lord. Can we give God praise? Amen. I feel the Lord. There's a person in this house, you've quit. It's been so hard. I'm not throwing a stone at you. You've walked in the road. You even said it while I was preaching. You even said while I was preaching, God's proving his love to you. You even said these words. You've never walked where I've walked, Pastor. How can you speak to my situation? That's what you said to yourself. And the Holy Ghost is trying to let you know he's walked every step with you. You've never, ever been alone. He is here today. If you're here this morning and you want God to come to your situation, would you step out and worship? Come quickly, come quickly. Every head bows just for another moment, please. Would you come? Would you come? Let God minister to you. I can't do it, but he can. Would you come? Would you come? God's in the house. That's all right. That's all right. They're coming. Bye. I told you. God's in the house. Can you do me something? There's an old song. I, I don't know if you know this. There's an old song that says, I'd rather have Jesus. Do you know that old song? That's, that's, that's old, right? That's old. Let's sing that this morning. Can we give God one more hand of praise this morning? Amen. Here's what I want to do. Listen, if you're visiting this morning at North Walhalla, listen to me. We're very real. We want to minister to your need. We're not here to put on, here to put on a look or a facade. We're not here to be fake. You live in a real world with real problems, but we serve a real God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you can even think. That's why these altars are full this morning and we're about to pray with them. If the church leadership will come now, as members want to come, let's pray. We've got good people at this altar that need prayer. They're going to be singing an old song for me. Can we at least worship? Worship. Let's pray. Let's pray. Wednesday night, church is still on schedule. We'll be back Friday. Be here also already Sunday morning. Listen to me close as I close in prayer. Very pastoral this morning. There are times I preach as an evangelist. There's times I preach as a teacher. And there's times it's very pastoral. That's, that's today. Be encouraged. If you want to do something that'll change your life, go home. Nobody's looking. And just begin to give God the biggest praise. God will step into your story today. Amen. Pastor Russell's making his way to the front. Father, we love you. We thank you. You're so good to us. Your mercy endures forever. We rejoice in trials and sufferings because we know that you're producing perseverance, character, hope, and confidence. And then we can stand in the middle of the storm and declare the holiness of our God. We give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you if you're visiting. Go to the front, Cameron and TJ's out front. They'll present you with a gift. God bless you, you're free to go.